We have been looking at the abundant life over the last few weeks. We know that Jesus came and He said that He came to bring, or that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. We've seen that the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we are to add those Christian graces to our lives. And that if we do so, we will make our calling and election sure. And that we will have laid up for us a crown of life and that we will have entrance into the kingdom of God. And it also tells us in those passages of Scripture that it will make us fruitful and productive in God's kingdom. We've seen where Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit. That we are to have those things in our life and when we have God's Word in our hearts, when we have Him in our lives, then we're going to walk according to that fruit, according to the Spirit that is in us. And so this morning, I want to continue that thought about the abundant life and what God has intended for us and how we are to live our lives. And this morning, I want us to look at compassion and kindness and hopefully we can add those to our daily walk if they're not already a part of it. As was read for us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, there Paul tells us to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So there we see that we are to be kind to one another and tender-hearted. We need to have an open heart, an open mind to be receptive to people and also to show and extend kindness to them. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, "...put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and suffering." We mentioned in Bible class this morning that there are some things that God wants us to get rid of in our lives. And those things are evil, obviously hatred and things of that nature. But He also tells us what to put in its place. And here in this passage of Scripture, we see some of the things that we are to add, and one of those items is kindness. God expects His people to be kind. In 1 John chapter 3, and verse 17, it says, "...but whoso hath this world's goods..." And seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Another version says, closes his heart against him, as opposed to shutteth up his bowels of compassion. In other words, when we show or extend kindness to someone, it is to come from the inside, it's to come from our heart, it's to be motivated because we have compassion on that individual. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. There again we see that compassion is part of the motivating force that moves us to be kind to individuals. And we see that in the life of different individuals. And we're going to talk about the life of Jesus here in a moment. But the fruit of the Spirit is demonstrated in our lives when we become a people of compassionate kindness. When we see someone in need, it moves us. We have compassion on that individual. It moves us to do something to help that individual. It causes us to open our heart to them. Webster, when we look in the dictionary, kindness is demonstrated. Its definitions tells it's demonstrated of love and of goodwill toward others. So when we extend kindness, it is showing our love and goodwill toward others. 
In the Greek, that word refers to something good that we do for others. Kindness does not refer to sentiment. Kindness is action. It's doing something. When we see a need, when we see someone suffering, when we see someone in pain, when we see someone that's lonely, we are there, we help, because we have compassion in our heart for them and for their their soul, and we extend kindness to them because of it. It is something that we do. It's not a feeling. It's not pity on that individual, but it's something that we do for that individual. It's a benevolent behavior bestowed upon someone else. Kindness is love in action. The love that I'm talking about here is agape love, which we looked at a few weeks ago. It's love when people don't always deserve it. It's loving people that may not love us back. It's loving them because we see something in them, a potential like Jesus saw in each one of us. That He was willing to offer Himself on the cross. And not just us, but all of mankind. And so, kindness is love in action. Love is not love until it acts. You see, we can tell people that we love them. We tell people, oh, I care about, or I love people in the world. I love people around. Well, then what are we doing? to show that kindness, to show that love. We know that God so loved the world, and then it goes on in the verse to tell us that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son because He showed His love. And so when we talk about the world, that we love the people in the world, what are we doing to show that love for them? Until uh, kindness is demonstrated in our lives... It's not what it's supposed to be. We have to put it into action in our life. And like agape love, kindness is not a feeling. It's a discipline. It's a way of life. We're kind to people because that's what we as Christians are supposed to be. And certainly we can see that in the life of our Lord. We may find kindness difficult to define, but we certainly know it when we see it in action. We read in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter that it tells us there that love, in verse 4, love is kind. When you think about kindness, it is a lot like love. You see, kindness always shows concern. It always does the unexpected It always keeps secrets. It does not speak all of its mind. It never promotes embarrassment. It always sounds a note of appreciation. Kindness is always clothed in humility. It prefers and honors one another. Kindness always, it always enriches the one who bestowed it. 
It's another one of those principles that we see taught in the Bible that when people disagree or do not want to believe the Bible, that's one of the things that you can tell people to go out and try. You know, we know that the Bible tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes I tell people to go out and try that and see if that's true. And the same is true with kindness. You go out and put action in your life or put it into action in your life, guess what? You're going to be blessed just like the person that you extend that kindness to. You see, compassion is the key, the motivating factor that results in kindness. If we would have had time this morning, I would have loved to go on through the Scripture and showed us all the examples of Jesus where it is stated that He had compassion. We know that He had compassion on a multitude that was gathered They were hungry and He had compassion on them and He fed the multitude. On another occasion, there was a multitude of those that were sick and He had compassion on them and He healed every one of them. We see in His teaching, when He taught about the parables, He taught about compassion in those parables. In fact, the man who refused to forgive his fellow servant, it mentions in that particular verse, that he had had no compassion. And so we see different pictures of Jesus. When there was times that individuals needed to be healed, he looked at those individuals and he had compassion. And so we see it in his life. And the definition of Christian is Christ's life. And so God expects us as Christians to be like Christ and show that kindness to others. We need to extend that kindness when we visit those that are sick. We need to extend that kindness when we teach the Word of God. We need to extend that kindness even when we see people that we may not agree with. We still are kind to them. It was His kindness, the kindness of Christ, that brought Him into this world to save us. As I mentioned, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus was willing to go to the cross. He could have got out of it. He could have refused to do it. But He chose to do His Father's will. And in, in, in that example, He's demonstrating His kindness in dying on the cross for your sins and mine. You see, kindness... It's treating others as you would have them or like to be treated. It is like the golden rule. You know, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want someone to treat you with kindness? Then go out and do that to someone else. Show kindness to someone else. Brethren, it is compassionate kindness that causes us to visit the sick, the nursing homes, those that are unable to get out of their homes. It is kindness that motivates preachers to preach the truth and teachers to teach the truth of God's Word. It is kindness that causes elders to shepherd a flock of God's people. It is kindness that causes deacons to serve. It is kindness that causes us to be a better spouse, to be better fathers, to be better mothers, to be better grandpas and grandmas. It is kindness, loving kindness, that causes children to obey and honor their parents, to be obedient to their parents, 
It is kindness that prompts us to be patient, to be understanding, and to be forgiving. The key to a better life, the key to the abundant life that Jesus tells us that we can have, is conditioned upon our becoming like Jesus ourselves. Here is the reason that we ought to be kind. Because it makes us more like our Father in Heaven and His Son, Jesus. You see, the Bible is about compassionate kindness. And the Bible tells us that God is kind. In Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness and forsooketh them not. There we see the kindness of God mentioned in that verse. And I believe that that kindness is talked about in, that, in, the, in being ready to pardon, in being gracious and merciful, and not forsaking them. That shows His kindness. In Psalms 86 and verse 15, but Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Full of compassion. You know, there are some people that look at God and they don't see that. They don't see what He's done for us, what He's done for mankind. The Bible here tells us that He's full of compassion. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Again, God demonstrated His mercy or His kindness by showing His mercy to us and how His love for us caused His Son to die on the cross for our sins. And so indeed, we can see that God loves us and it was expressed in His kindness toward us when He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. The question is, are we becoming more like Him? Are we passing that kindness on to others? So how do we become more kind to others? Well, first, we have to stop judging. Stop being critical and judgmental toward others. What do I mean by that? I understand that the Bible teaches us that there are in some cases that we need to make judgments. But there are some cases that we do not need to make judgments. And in fact, Jesus condemns making judgments in certain situations. And sometimes when we look at the motives or look at people and say, that's why they're in that condition, we put a label on them. And sometimes that label says, well, they're a, they're a prostitute, they're a, they're a drunk, they don't care, they never will, they're a liberal, they're lazy... They're no good. They're too old. They're too young. They don't deserve it. We can come up with all kinds of labels that we put on, on people. And that's the kind of judgment that we need to stop having in our lives. 
Because sometimes we don't know what their motive is. We don't know what's behind what's going on in their life. But when we put that label on, it's hard to get that label off. You see, riots in our streets, shootings in public places, racism, wars, hating those of other religions, ill-treatment of those who come into our country as immigrants are attributable to our being judgmental of others. In the judgment scene that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 25, I want you to listen to those words and ask yourself, do you hear any judgmental statements from the lips of Jesus as He speaks those words? Beginning in verse 41, Then shall He say to them on the left, Depart from Me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungered and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger and ye took me not in. Naked and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall I answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. Jesus just states the facts that they didn't do what they should have done, that they weren't kind to people that were in need. And they point out, well, if we would have seen you in that situation, then guess what? We would have done something. But we didn't see you in that situation, and so we did nothing. But Jesus just told them like it was. Because you didn't do it. They were lost. Think about that. When Judgment Day comes, some of us will wish we had stopped being critical and judgmental and been more kind to those that are in need of our help. Those that God may have providentially placed before us gives us an opportunity to do good, to show our kindness. Kindness is visiting the sick. It is spending time with the lonely. It is encouraging the discouraged. Bearing the burdens of other people. Sharing joy and sorrows with each other. It's helping the needy. It's being friends to the friendless. And it's helping those who have no shelter, the homeless. That's what kindness is. And I think that we see that demonstrated in that judgment scene that God expects us, His people, to be involved in some of those situations that people find themselves in in this life. Some of us have never, never done some of those things that I just mentioned. Why? Sometimes it's because we've judged others not worthy. That they don't deserve it. Or judged ourselves to be too good. 
That was one of the problems with the Pharisees and the Jews in general. They thought that they were better than the Gentiles, the Jews did. And the Pharisees thought that they were better than even Jesus because Jesus associated with publicans and sinners. And on occasion when the woman came and anointed Him, they said if He would have known what kind of individual this was, It wouldn't allow what was happening to take place. The question becomes, are we willing to give up our judgmental spirit so that God can be seen in us through the kindness that we extend to others? Second, Kindness demands that we make an effort to understand others. There was a popular song back in the 70's, Walk a Mile in My Shoes. It was a song about understanding others. And the fact that until we place ourselves in their shoes, until we experience their pain, their heartache, their misfortunes, their cries of tears, that will not likely express compassion and genuine Christ-like kindness. The fact is, we do need to walk in someone else's shoes. Sometimes we need to try to understand the other side and how it could have happened or how it could have gotten to the situation that people find themselves in as opposed to just judging their motive without really knowing. Because there are some things that I've looked at in life and I've seen how people deal with it and I wonder how I would have dealt with it. Would I have been any better at it or would I have even been worse than what I see? We don't know what we would do until we're faced with that circumstance. And it's so easy to say, oh, well, you know, I know what I would do if I was in that situation. Have you ever seen someone in that situation that made that statement before? And they were devastated. We have to rise above our selfishness. Vladimir Lenin, the story is told, one night his wife had been keeping vigil over her dying mother and she was exhausted. And she asked Lenin to watch and awaken her if her mother needed her. And Lenin agreed. And she went to bed and the next morning she woke to find her mother dead. And Lenin was still at work on his political notes. Distraught, she confronted him. And Lenin's reply was, you told me to wake you if your mother needed you. She died. She didn't need you. No wonder communism and socialism fails. When those who plan and promote it have such a hateful and unkind attitude. I want you to compare Lenin to Jesus. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says, "...who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." 
And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also was highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. Jesus was in heaven, but He saw the need to come to this earth and die for your sins and mine. Back in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4, it says, Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't think that you're so good that bad things can't happen to you and that you'll never find yourself in a situation where you need someone to extend kindness to you. We all need that. And the world that we live in seems that word is just disappearing. Kindness is going away. Like so many things that God wants us to be. And it's ever so much more important today in our lives to demonstrate the kind of love that God wants us to have in this world. And yes, it's tough sometimes. But we see what Jesus did. And whose attitude would you rather have? The attitude of Christ who was willing to suffer and die for us or the attitude of Lenin who seemed harsh and calloused? You see, it's possible for us to get so wrapped up in ourselves that we have no time, no energy, or resources left for kindness. And the third point... Kindness will cost us. Have you ever noticed that people are in a hur- that are in a hurry most often do not show kindness? If you don't believe me, I want you to start to get off of State Street onto 94 at about 5 o'clock. And you'll see people zooming in and passing, trying to get up in, inside. The other day I was going down 275. Traffic was backed up. People come, well, this guy comes zoom, zipping through on the, on the shoulder of the road and cut in in front of a truck. People in a hurry don't extend kindness to people. They don't let other people in front of them. No way. They're not going to do that. And at this time of the year, when you're standing in line at a store, and you see that it's not moving very fast, you can see the anger on people's face and in their actions, and then when they start to say things out loud, and sometimes take it out on the clerk that's waiting on them. People in a hurry rarely show kindness. In Matthew chapter 25, those ushered into everlasting joys of the Lord were those who took the time and extended their resources to be kind. They fed the hungry. They gave something to drink to those that are thirsty. They were inviting to the stranger. They invited the stranger in. They clothed the poor. They visited the sick and those that were in prison. 
They were willing to take the time out of their lives, their busy lives, to do what God wanted them to do. And we see that here where they're blessed with a home in heaven. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see there that it cost that man, who the Good Samaritan, who helped the individual that had been beaten and left for dead by the thieves, it cost him something to help that individual. We learn what it means to be a neighbor from that story and how we are to treat our neighbors and we're to show kindness. And when we do that and when we show kindness, sometimes it costs us something. Sometimes it will cost us our time. Sometimes it will cost us our energy. Sometimes it will cost us our money. Kindness may become expensive. And I would imagine that in this case, with a good Samaritan, that it did become more expensive. Because he took the Samaritan's time, the man that had been beaten. He took his wine and oil that had been poured into his wounds. The good Samaritan lost his comfort because he allowed the man that was injured to ride on his beast while he walked. And it cost him an untold amount to extend the care when he left him with the innkeeper. It cost him something. But which one would you rather be? The priest and the Levite, who seemed to be in a hurry to get wherever they were going. They didn't have time to stop and help this individual. Or the Good Samaritan, who took the time. And even though it cost him his time and his energy, it cost him some money. Look at the story of the prodigal son. His kindness in Luke chapter 15, it cost him something, the father. You see, the father spent time watching for his son, hoping for his return. He spent energy when he ran to greet him, to meet him, when he saw him off in the distance. It cost him a robe and a crown, or a robe and a ring, and shoes for his feet, and a fatted calf and a banquet for rejoicing. All of that cost that father something for that son's return. But we look sometimes only at the physical. What about the forgiveness that he extended to his son? Forgetting the hurt. Forgiving the debt. Overcoming the shame. And reinstating the sonship. That was a price that he had to pay. But he was willing to pay it. <clears throat> We see the kindness of the Father as He extended that to His Son. Indeed, kindness consumes our time, our talent, our resources, and our energy. We must make our focus and priority, or take our focus and priority from off the material things, the things that it may cost us physically, and we got to ask what's the most important thing in your life and in your mind? Is it people? Or is it stuff? Which one's more important? Where is our focus? What or who is our priority? 
What was that list that was given? The fruit of the Spirit? Love? Joy? Peace? Patience, long, or, uh, patience, kindness. The King James says gentleness. Goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Notice you don't get to take that list and pick the ones you like. If you're walking in the Spirit as you're supposed to, all of those things will be demonstrated in your life. Do we hear anything having to do with worldly pursuits on that list? No, it only deals with people. You see, the devil has done a job on us, making us believe that life is all about what we have rather than who and what we are. Glenn Campbell sang a song many years ago. And it goes something like this. <clears throat> if you see your brother standing by the road with a heavy load from the seeds he sowed, and if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, you're going the wrong way. Don't walk around and down and out. Don't walk around the down and out. Lend a helping hand instead of doubt and the kindness that you show every day. will help you will help someone along the way. You've got to show a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Just shine your light for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of the narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded streets. Brethren, they need to play that song all day on the radio stations and on television. Our world is becoming so unkind that it's sad. And maybe we're kind of in that mode too where we're not so kind like we should be. Indeed, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And I want you to listen to me. Compassionate kindness is about the moment. It's about God's divine providence. About who God places before us and their needs. Where He gives us an opportunity to let our light shine. To be the example that we should be. To encourage someone who may be down and out. And maybe they may look like they need a lecture, but maybe the kind thing to do is to not give them a lecture. But help them to see the light that you've got in your life. And maybe it will encourage them. You see, kindness is about what's in our hand at the moment when we come in contact with someone in need. It's money. It's talent. It's time. It's energy. It's encouragement. It's a shoulder to cry on. It's a listening ear. It's an understanding heart. It's what God wants us to have. You see, compassion and kindness is about those times when God desires that we become like Christ. The healer, the helper, and the hero in the life of another person.
I ask you, are you showing kindness to people around you? Are people seeing that kindness in your life? We don't do it to be seen of men, but when we do it, men see us. People see it. And that's part of that light that we are to go into all the world with. The question I have this morning, are you in need of becoming a child of God? We see the kindness of God in offering His Son on the cross. We see the kindness of the Son as He died upon that cross willingly for your sins and mine. Don't turn your back on that kindness and reject it, but accept that glorious opportunity that you have to be obedient to our Lord in baptism and have your sins washed away by His precious blood. Maybe you are a Christian and you have not lived as you should. Maybe you haven't showed that kindness. I think we all can probably improve on that in that area in our lives. Maybe you've not been so kind where you've done things that you know you shouldn't have. And you need our prayers and we're here to help you in any way that we can. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you have that opportunity to come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.